All right, everybody there? Yep. Okay, sorry about that. And now by the faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So, the church is known for faith. The church is known for hope. It's known for these things. And then we, we look at those three independently. We say faith is an important thing. We need faith. We need faith to function. And, and if, if you just were to throw it out there and not really know these scriptures and understand what these scriptures are trying to convey to you and I, you, we may miss the point and think, you know, faith's a pretty important thing. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that ignites spiritual gifts, and that's the kind of things that ignite fires and, and get revivals going and, and things of that nature, right? Amen. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a pusher. We want a church that's filled with faith. Amen. I want to be a person of faith. I've prayed that prayer many times. God, give me more faith. I know scripturally that means I need to be more connected to the word. I need more of the word in me. Uh, Pastor, I think you mentioned that scripture, that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You mentioned that this morning, I think. That we're using faith actively. We just use faith here, praying with our brother, believing for him. God touch him. God give him relief. God give them a relief. That's faith. That's important. We just seen that active right here. Amen. And then there's hope. Like what's ahead for you? Well, that's what hope is. Hope is what's in the future. Hope is what's what's coming. I think that's pretty important stuff. I want to have a hope, don't you? Mm-hmm. Hope's an important thing. We need it. We need to be uh, connected to the one who will, uh, can give us that hope. But then it goes on to mention love. And it says these three, but the greatest, the, 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 the highest form of all these is going to be love. The most important thing. And that, and that really sits, it sits on me. Because love is something that you purposefully have to do. I admire the people for love, that love comes naturally to them. It seems that they love everybody. Oh man, I applaud you. <laughs> Good job. I wish I was like you. If love is the greatest, shouldn't you and I be praying for more love? Amen. Oh, yes. If love is the greatest, if love is the thing that is, is uh, pushing this thing and, and, and we're to, to reciprocate that to the people that are around us, shouldn't that be something that we're after? And looking for and the reason I'm bringing that out is because often often faith gets put first in our lives we'll put faith I'm not saying that we need to, to abandon that I'm saying that with some of the things that God has been dealing with me about well I put all the emphasis on certain aspects of the gospel and, and not realizing that if we are not loving people and if we are not showing love and we, if we are not conveying the gospel and conveying uh, Jesus's love and then showing people love then we're missing the whole point and and I was reading that scripture last night I can't remember where it was but that you know and I mentioned it this morning that we don't even know God if we're not able to love the person sitting next to us you don't know him if you can't love I thought oh. Lord, I got faith, though. 
I got faith. You've really shown me how to use faith over the years. I can lay hands on people. We get the anointing oil, and I can believe. And that's a good thing. Not as good as love. Lord, you've, you've given me a future and a hope still wanes in the sight of love. I took it as a challenge. I took it as a challenge. And God is challenging us. When he said that, I took that as a challenge. You, he said all those things, and then we put it in that order. He said, I've been, we've been challenged to seek after love and to seek his love and to make sure that love stays front and center. When we leave here, I'm talking about as a congregation, when we leave here and we go there, we'll move to a new building. Pastor, you said the capacity was like 170-something. Is that correct? Wow. Can you imagine? And you said something. You said things are going to change. It's one of the, I think it's one of the reasons that you've started these Wednesday nights is coming back to the building process from within. Things are going to change. Things are going to be different. And I'm not trying to add to anything he's, he said. These are just things that I have been dealt with myself in that when we make that move, are we going to become like every other large church or are we still going to keep the same identity that we've always been known for in Rock Harbor Church I've heard people say it when they walk through those doors I feel love in this place I feel it there's just people people love you and they take you for who you are and they 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 hug you and they they, they, they wrap their arms around you and they, they say what can we do for you and there's hands being shaken and and no one is avoiding people. It's one of the things they've always liked about this. I thought, what a, what a compliment to have. What a compliment to have that there's love existent here. So we're going to be making our move hopefully pretty soon. Will we have revivals in this new church? Probably. Will there be faith-filled messages? Probably. But let's not forget the thing that got us this far. And it was our love for him Amen. and his love for us. Love, love. All right, let's get into, let's get off of that and get into the Gospel of John. Now we're there. Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 15. Everybody there? Jim, you, you got it, Jim? Is he there, Lynn? 21, Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know 
that I love you. And for those of you that are familiar with these scriptures, you know uh, that that this is, um, scripturally speaking, this is the uh, set of scriptures of the restoration of Peter. Uh, we're all familiar with the denial. Peter uh, denied Christ three times. And uh, and in this set of scriptures, as, as Christ was uh, revealed himself to the, them fishing, uh, we come to this place scripturally where this is called the restoration of Peter. And he's going to ask him a, a set of questions that seem quite rhetorical. Now, when you look into it, if you haven't already looked into this, when he, he asks him, do you love me more than these? And the word love is, is very important because the word love that Jesus is talking about in the Greek is not the same love that Peter answers with. It's not the same. The love that Christ is talking about is an agapo or agape love. Yes, amen. And the love that Peter is referencing when he answers in the Greek is called is a phileo. I believe that's the and it's for a it's a high admiration or like friendship. And so there's this back and forth between Christ and Peter and he in He's asking him, he said, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again, second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Remember, we're talking about an agape versus a phileo love. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now, isn't it interesting that his, his denial was three times and his recovery was also three times. Getting this point across and making sure that he understands that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to what he says here. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird and carry you where you do not wish. Jesus was speaking a bit prophetically there. The phrase, stretch out your hands, is known in antiquity as meaning crucifixion. So he's telling him, that this is going to be your end. This is the way this is. Now, Peter's crucifixion is not recorded in the Bible. This comes through authors and uh, historians. Uh, I think it's um, Tertullian, and there was another one, uh, Eusebius, I think is his name. And, and I may be wrong on his name, but he was a historian. These come through these individuals that, that had done some research and found out that he was crucified and everybody knows Peter was crucified upside down. And so he was telling him there that this was going to be your end. And you may wonder, why would you, why would you tell him that? After asking him, do you love me? And do you love me with an agape love? And the reason why he was asking him and the reason why he had come to this, this point of telling him or prophetically saying, this is what your future holds. He was telling him that if you truly do love me, and if you truly are going to come after me, this is where it's going to lead you. This is where it's going. 
Only love would do something like that. And that was why he wanted him to understand, you're, you're answering me with friendship. I'm asking you, are you willing to go to the end for me? Are you willing to go all the way? You're willing to tend to the sheep? You're willing to feed them? You're willing to do all of these things? But I want you to know that if you love me with an agape love, that you're going to have to be willing to go all the way to the end. That's kind of stout. Now, we don't know exactly the timeline. I mean, there's some debate on, on exactly when this took place. But he's calling Peter out because he understands how pivotal, of course, Peter was, but how pivotal it was for him to understand the extent and the power that love holds in that if you truly love somebody, that you are going to follow them and you are going to obey them and you're going to do their work. That's what you're going to do. That's what love does. When we love him like he has loved us, like we've been commanded to do, when we, when we love him the way that we need to love him, then we obey his commands. Amen. If we falter, we begin to have it more of a perspective like Peter had with this kind of, if my buddy, friendship, high admiration. And you think, well, that's not a bad thing, though, is it, Tanner? Is it, I mean, isn't that pretty much the same thing? No, it's not. Jesus knew this. This is the reason he kept conveying this over and over again to get this point across. We're not talking about, you're, we're not talking about the same love here. And so he wanted him to understand that this agape love was going to lead him somewhere. I'm telling you this tonight because an agape love, an unconditional love that we have for Christ, especially in these last days, is going to lead you somewhere. It's going to put you in precarious situations. It did for Peter. It's going to, and he said it himself, he said, um, but when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Prophetically speaking, you're going you're gonna to go into a situation that you don't wish to be, but you will be there because of love. And I am. And that's, that's our call. And to distinguish which love do you have. Is it a phileo, friendship kind of love, buddy system, or is it an agape love, an unconditional love? See, if you're going to say, though, if you're going to say unconditional, then you've got to know what comes with that. Because if, if you say, well, I love unconditionally, okay? If we love unconditionally, that means that when we're slighted, we let it go. If we're offended, we forgive. We don't wrestle with it. There's mercy and plenty of it on our plate to give. Because that's exactly the kind of love that's been shown to you and me. And I, I, I've looked at it in contrast before, and I thought about the struggle of loving the way that God has asked us to love. Because when somebody faults you or wrongs you, and you think they're deserving of they're deserving of, of some sort of uh, a revenge, or or you want to get something on them, or you want to get the last word, or you want to get something up on them, there, there's this behavior that comes with it. It's a behavior. And when we're unforgiving or unmerciful, we act that way. We show it. 
But if we're full of mercy and we're full of God's love and we're full of the things that, that he wants to convey, then you're going to show that. You're going to get that. You're going to make sure that people know and understand you're not holding grudges. You know just as well as I do. If you want to, if you're holding something, I won't talk to you no more. You pull back, you withdraw. Certain always, there's always behaviors you can check yourself on if you're operating in unconditional love or not. I have to call myself out for that many times. It's like, hey, 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 you're holding something. Let that go. Let it go. Agape love versus a buddy love or a friendship kind of love. And what kind of love are we loving him with? So he, he said here, he said, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and you will... Uh, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God, which was crucifixion. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. What does that mean? What's that mean? He said, follow me. It means obey me. Now, he was about to ascend. So there wasn't, there wasn't a literal follow anymore. Now it's follow my ways. Follow the things that I've put before you. Follow the things that I've spoken to you. Follow them. Be obedient to them. This is how you and I follow Christ. We look at his word. Simplistically speaking, we apply it to our lives and we're obedient. That's how we follow him. Simple enough, right? Should be. Easier said than done. But I want to remind you I want to remind you, when life gets complicated, sometimes you got to come back to the fundamentals. Amen. A very, very basic thing. To me, this was a very basic fundamental statement of realigning people who have not necessarily gone astray, not necessarily just quit following Christ. They're still in it, but they've started to sway a little bit, and they're starting to get distracted. Come back to the scripture where he was telling Peter, just follow me. Follow me. Obey what I'm telling you to do. Um, rebellion's a sneaky thing. Rebellion is a sneaky thing. And see, what happens is, is that the flesh, if you're not careful, we'll allow the flesh to start having, or I should say it like this, the old man that we put away when we got saved, we start allowing him ground again. We start allowing him to have a little bit of leverage. We start allowing the old man to have a say of things. We start giving him uh, ground to, uh, to negotiate. And then you understand the terminology here. And if we're not careful, we'll start to let him back in again. He starts to resuscitate. He starts to come back to life again. And the spirit man begins to start taking a back seat. And the things that were spiritual. This is where this is where we start to get off course, and we start to uh, to lose sight of what we were originally here to do at the beginning. One of the things that I've noticed about the enemy is is that when he wants to distract or divert your attention, he will attempt to complicate things in your mind. Complicate. We call that confusion. Cause confusion. Cast confusion on the situation. Complicate the matter. It's like, well, how do I get back on track when things are like that, Tanner? 
How do I get back when I've been, I've got every fiery dart in the world going through my mind right now. How do I do that? Come back to the basics. Follow me. Come back to the original commands. Just do what he said to do. And you're going to start noticing that you'll start creeping back into that spiritual realm again. The old man has to take a back seat. You have to put him down again. But it can only come by obedience. Only come by obedience. It's not wishful thinking. It's not even correct thinking. You can worry about that later. Let's get the obedience right. You get the obedience right, then everything else will fall into place. And so when he said, follow me, now look, now look what he says here. He says, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Okay, so the reference here, I think, I think it's um, John 13 and 23, I think, would be the reference point. This is where Jesus, they're at the Last Supper, and it references a disciple laying on Jesus' breast, and he's talking about who's going to betray him. Well, Peter motions to him, the one that's laying on his breast, and in a sense he's like, ask him, ask him who it is that betrays him. And so he leans back on his breast and he says, who it is that betray you, and he said, it's who I dip in the cup with, and it was Judas. So we know that story. It's referencing this right here because the person who was on his breast and the person that Peter is about to reference here is the same individual. Scripturally speaking, it doesn't mention who it is. Scholars believe it is John, the writer. Why am I saying all of that? I want you to understand what's about to take place here. It's a kind of a pivotal set of scriptures. And he says... Lord, and he said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Now, to me, that's kind of comical. Because he just revealed to Peter his fate. And he, they understood. Peter knew the phrase, stretch out your hands. He knew what that meant. He knew this meant crucifixion. He knew that this was probably going to be his end. This is Jesus telling him. And then he looks back at, at what we believe to be John, and he goes, well, what about him? And I kind of look at this almost like a snide. So I've got to die by crucifixion. How is it going to end up for him? <laughs> like, this is kind of a raw deal. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this situation. Now, look what he says. Look at his response here. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come... What is that to you? Mm. Mm. And I looked at this in a bunch of different translations to make sure that I had this the way that it needed to be said. And what he's saying here is, if I let him live a full life and he sees my return, what does it matter to you? And what does he say directly after that? You follow me. You Follow me. He's looking. What about his life? What do you got planned for him? I've sacrificed a lot. Is his going to end better than me? Why do I have to be crucified? Why can't he be crucified? I didn't say this. I'm just, that's what I would have said. <laughs> that's what I've been asking. And I don't think I'm too far from anyone else in this room either. 
that sometimes we get off track because we're too busy wondering what's going on in someone else's pasture. Amen, brother. Mm -hmm. Amen. We're looking over there. We're wondering why we not only do, why can't I have what they have? Spiritually speaking, they seem to be more blessed than me. Why do their prayers get answered? My prayers don't get answered like theirs get. If you're not careful, you'll get hyper-focused. And you'll begin to point and you'll ask God, what about them? I've been praying and I still got a ton of problems. It don't look like they got any problems. Every time I see them, they smile. They seem happy. I don't understand it. We, we get off track when obedience takes a back seat to someone else's lifestyle. And I said obedience because he brings him back on course by saying, you follow me. Your obedience is what I need. Don't worry about what happens to him. Don't worry about why he's blessed. Don't worry about why he's got what he has. Don't worry about how his life's going to end. You worry about being obedient to me, and we're going to get somewhere. That is individual obedience, individual faith. I've, we've talked about individual faith here. We've also talked about the importance of group faith and how important that is. Along the lines of what Pastor's been talking about in this building process, that we are a powerful congregation when we come together, when every individual is being obedient in and of themselves to the Word of God. No one is... No one is spiritually mooching off of anybody. I say that right? Yeah. You're, not, you're not draining someone of their life. You're carrying your own. And this is the way I took this. He said, don't worry about him. You worry about you. You worry about what's going on in your life. You got enough problems going on in your own life. You got enough stuff going on. Uh, in your world that you need to concentrate on that. You need to be praying about those things. You need to be seeking after me and where I would lead you, not worrying about is he going to get to get something that I don't get. And if we're all honest, we've all been there. Distracted by someone else. By either what they did or did not do. <coughs> I believe that this is a time of being called back to some very basic things. And the scripture is very clear here about following. You follow me. You follow me. So, well, what's going to happen in our, uh, in our world? Tanner, what do you think might happen? I got a lot of opinions about it. Got a lot of thoughts. I don't really know. I don't. But no matter what happens, it doesn't play into or should not play into my obedience to Christ. Yeah. Shouldn't have any bearing on it. Shouldn't have any, any bearing, and I, and, I, and I mean this respectfully, I want you to understand. You don't have any bearing on my faith. You don't. That's mine, that's something I have to work on. I can't make you believe and you can't make me believe. I can encourage you, and I can lift you up in prayer, but I cannot make you do it. And you can't make me do it. And while this is a very, it, while group is a very important thing, being in one accord, we just talked about it, is a very important thing. Being in agreement is a very important thing. But it all starts with your individual obedience. 
And it's time that we come back to those things individually, being obedient. Then, when we come together, we'll be more apt to be in unity, more apt to be in one accord, because each one of you have been obedient in your own lives. It's hard to be obedient. It's hard to find one accord. If half are obedient, half are disobedient, but we keep all showing up at the same place. Does that make sense? It's going to be hard to find that unity. It's going to be hard to, to find that flow. Y'all know what I mean by flow? Master, you, I think you know what I mean by flow. Just that flow in the spirit. And, and um, it's kind of like when you get up here and you minister a message or you preach a message, there are times when it flows and you can tell it's just it's gobbled. And then there are times that I'm not quite sure it makes it out of this aisle. <laughs> and it just kind of it's like something. I don't know what it is. This is the way I think about it in my head. Unification, being unified. It's all going to start with individual obedience and you and I being obedient to what we know is true and right. Amen. True and right. I'm going to stop there because that was where I felt it was. we needed to close that. It's kind of like a mic drop spot. You follow me. You be obedient to me. And so this is, a, this is the, the, really the quest moving forward is that we start checking our lives to making sure that we have been obedient to him. Not, not the methodical church attendance process, okay? Please, please understand when I say this. I mean this. I mean this respectfully, and I mean this from, but I also mean it from my heart. It, it, too often when we talk about obedience, it goes no further than have I been to church or not. My goodness. It's way deeper than that and way more important than just saying, am I at church or not at church? Amen. It's about what have you been doing in your individual life? and Are you seeking God? And do you want more of him? Are you asking God daily, God, lead me. Put me where you want me to be. Lead me in the direction I need to go. You want me to leave here? I'll leave and I'll go over here. What do you want me to do? Show me your will. Show me your word. And give me the strength to obey it. That should all be all of our, our desire and our, our, our want in our spiritual lives, coming after God to get as close as we possibly can to him. But it's, not, it's more than just, listen, church, it's more than just, I got chill bumps. He's here. He's close. Yeah, let's get past that. And I mean that in a, in a very honest way. Let's, let's get past the point, well, I felt God tonight. But have you been obedient to him? Even the sinners have come in this place and said they get chill bumps. Does that make sense? If the sinner, the sinner can feel the presence of God. It's, we've, it's got to be more than just, I got a brush of the Lord tonight, so I'm fixed. No, it's, it, it's got to be obedient. Obedience day in and day out. We're following God's word and following what he says. And if we do that, I think we're going to get close to him. Would you stand tonight?